There goes that man's jock strap. <laughs> oh my god, did you see that? <laughs> America's team? Yeah, right. Oh, baby, it's a big day in sports. There's nothing like battling it out with your teammates all season long to go win a championship. Green Bay's got it this year. Huge move for him. I think it's going to be a game changer. We have a lot to talk about this busy week in the sports world. Welcome to the In a League of Their Own podcast. The In a League of Their Own podcast is brought to you by Candidates. Candidips is a CBD pouch crafted and manufactured in Humboldt, California. I like Candidips because it keeps me calm and it can be a good alternative for anyone looking to stop smoking or chewing. My personal favorite is Tropical Mango. You can find the rest of their lineup of kick-ass products at Candidips.com and use code League of Their Own 15 for 15% off your order at checkout. How's it going today? It's a wonderful Wednesday. How's it going? It is going. It is hump day. Um, a lot of stuff to look forward to this week. Excited for today's episode. Um, before we do dive into today's content, uh, feel free to check out all of our other socials other than YouTube here. You can find us on uh, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Uh, any breaking news outside of our three episodes a week, you can find that over there. Also today, it is again Whoops Wednesday, so we'll be posting uh, sports memes, bloopers, all that good stuff today. Um, have a fun lineup for you guys today, so make sure you check those out either on Instagram or Twitter. I'll be posting those. Uh, for our audio episodes, you can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, anywhere associated with Anchor. Uh, Anchor distributes us to, I believe, eight or nine different podcast destinations. So wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, you can probably find us. And as always, those five-star ratings help us move up the charts over there. And lastly, our merch, you can find that also in the link below at streamerloot.co, t-shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, all that good stuff. You can find that over there. Uh, diving into our NFL content for the day, uh, what do you got? So recently in an interview with Snoop Dogg, CeeDee Lamb, when asked if the Cowboys are going to reach Super Bowl, he said, yes, indeed. Do you actually think that they have a chance? I don't. I mean, it's just another year of everybody, all the Cowboys fans jumping on the Jerry Jones train that he's going to bring them to another Super Bowl when they haven't been able to make the playoffs. And when they make the playoffs, they've been – haven't been able to really get out of the first round. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of funny that, I, I mean, it ended up working out. Mike McCarthy making his guarantee last week of beating Washington. Like, they made the guarantee, but, like, also made it, made it very interesting in the end. And if Taylor Heineke doesn't go down, maybe they don't win that game. And guaranteeing a Super Bowl um, is a lot taller of a task than just predicting you're going to beat an opponent for a week. Um, obviously, it's good to see, like, confidence out of the out of C.D. Lamb. And, I mean, well, any – Right, and he can't – you know, he can't say no. I yeah. Don't think we're... <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, any, any professional athlete when asked if they are going to make it to NBA Finals, Stanley Cup Finals, Super Bowl, all that good stuff – they, all their quite all their answers should be yes otherwise they like they shouldn't be out there because that means they're not giving 100 percent so um I mean love the enthusiasm love the confidence but no I 
I think there's too many. Did he say win a Super Bowl or get to the Super Bowl? Get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, either way. It, like, I don't see them getting past Tampa. I don't see them getting past Green Bay. I don't see them getting past the Rams, how they looked on Monday night. Yeah, I I think the most potential that they have is to potentially even win two. They could potentially win two. But whoever eventually that they're going to have to run run through – a great quarterback, which every great quarterback that they've played so far, it hasn't worked out really well, especially the way that Dak Prescott's playing. Yeah, their defense is going to carry them, but against a guy who can game manage and really, you know, dissect everything that's thrown in front of them and, and choose the correct play time in and time out, you're going to get beat. And, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think that they have a chance this year to get there just due to how high-powered – the top three teams are um, throw the Rams in there as well. <clears throat> and you never know who, who else gets that other wild card spot could even be a hot team. You really never know at this point, but yeah, I don't, I don't see what that they can go this far, especially without a Tony Pollard Zeke's too banged up. I feel like to, to carry the workload, like he used to be able to do. So his pr- productivity ever since he's gotten in the league has slowly declined year in and year out. I refer to him with Todd Gurley all the time just because it's what we saw out of him as well. That overusage, the overproduction early because you are so good. But yeah, first, second round, third round exit. I, I, it'd be a stretch to see them in the NFC Championship. But yeah, I don't think that they have a chance. Yeah. The only chance I do see because they it pretty much looks like they're going to be the fourth seed. Um, I mean, unless they win they out. A, right. They need they, they need win to win this out. weekend. They clinch. Yeah, um, which clinches them just a spot, spot a spot in the playoff. Oh yeah, clinches them a fourth spot. That's the worst they can get. Um, Unless Arizona, you know, continues to struggle and loses, then they could potentially pass pass them and get that third spot. But yeah, yeah. right now I don't think they want that third spot either. <laughs> no, but. Yeah, the only, the only way I could see them really running the table and maybe getting to an NFC championship is if Green Bay, Tampa, Arizona, all these teams get knocked out. So then Dallas becomes now home field advantage the rest of the way if they if they go the distance. So which I don't see happening. It's gonna go through Tampa, Green Bay, Arizona, one of those three, maybe even the Rams. Again, they they uh, stopped the, the Cardinals from clinching the, a playoff spot on Monday night um, and staying within one game of that NFC West. So that's going to be fun to watch coming down the stretch. That'd be absolutely insane for them to clinch home field advantage with the one seed and host the Super Bowl if they end up getting there. That's got to be a first. Oh, so they, Tampa they... hosted last year, but they were the two seed. Where if they were the one seed, get the buy and have home field advantage and mm-hmm. playing the Super Bowl at home, that'd be insane. Yeah, but there's played... there is news too potentially about how this whole COVID thing goes. They might end up moving the Super Bowl out of LA. They actually were. They're thinking about doing it to Jerry World. Actually, the the Bucks. I think they were lower than the two seed because they played the divisional round at the Saints because that was Drew Brees' last game in the Dome. Against Tom. That's right. The Saints, they were a wild card team. Yeah. So they the played. Saints clinched. They played at home. 
the Bucks played, played at, at home against Washington and then at the Saints and then England. They were Bay. at Washington. They were at Washington. Oh, they were? Washington won. The division, that's right. And so did the Saints. Yep. So did the Packers and so did the... So they didn't play a home game at all no. in the playoffs? Nope. Super Bowl was their home game. So yeah, that would be a first if the Rams were able to clinch one somehow and play the Super Bowl at their own place. That'd be insane. And if that'd be insane too, mm-hmm. if the Chargers somehow can pull it out on the AFC side to do the same, two number one seeds, both having home field advantage at the same goddamn place, both playing in the Super Bowl at their home field. That would be insane. They would, how would they even do? They wouldn't be able to do that because like, at like AFC NFC championship are the same day. Like one o'clock, four o'clock. So how the heck would they have a stadium <laughs> set up for Chargers, and then in a half hour, less than that, have to turn it around? All right, everybody, get the fuck out. Players <laughs> off. Players out on the field, starting to warm up and all that jazz. Yeah. Too. They definitely have to bump the game back, probably to seven. Or somehow, or it's usually Championship Sunday, and they'd have yeah, to almost the- move it to a Saturday Sunday. Yeah, but doing that, the team who plays on the Saturday has that extra day of advantage and preparation, which they're not going to give an advantage to a team that close yeah. to the Super Bowl. That's true. Yeah, that'd be, I knew that's interesting. Yeah, how that, how they both do that. probabilities are still on the table, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my first question here for you for the NFL uh, with the recent surge of positive COVID cases in the NFL, um, Kind of an idea to throw out there. Do you think they should t- do a similar format as the final four March Madness did last year? Um, they didn't test any teams in the final four to keep it an even playing field. Um, could you see them maybe not testing um, come playoff time to avoid teams getting any major disadvantages down the stretch? I don't think so. I think they're actually going to do the opposite <laughs> just because they do have to take safety is an ultimate priority for all these people. And especially with all the recent studies and science coming out with like how it affects your heart. And like, if you got something you're working on, you could have a heart attack or a stroke and that could be it. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle this. They already ruled today that they're no longer having a limit for how many people you can have on your roster going into the postseason. So that's one big step. Uh, they're still meeting. I think they're still waiting on the NFLPA to come back on what they feel like they should go with coming forward. And they're in a tough spot because obviously you have to protect the safety. Like that's your number one job is protecting the safety of the people. And number two, a lot of these guys are in that their teams are probably in the hunt currently with their teams got having COVID. So they're in a real tough spot with how they're going to move forward in doing this. And already on top of the NFL already going back to daily testing and now coming out tomorrow, this news will be coming out the memo of all level one and two employees in the NFL have to get the booster shot, the third one. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what they do going forward. Obviously once the news breaks, we'll kind of have an understanding of what direction they're going, but, I can tell you, as far as Ian Rappaport reported earlier today, the meeting was literally scheduled for 20 minutes between the owners because they're all, we're going to make that money. 
Like we ain't losing money. They ain't going down to six thousand fan stadiums right before play. Like yeah, they've already established, <clears throat> and they already established that at the beginning when basically the NFL doctor basically told Fauci to fuck himself and that they were going to do what they were going to do. They basically set the precedent there, and I don't think they're turning back at this point, especially with the cap going up to two hundred million next year. It's just this much more money, like. Cowboys $77 million a game is what they would lose if they'd have to forfeit a game or whatever. They ain't going to let that happen. I do see, though, how we could see a lot of practice guys, a lot of guys we haven't seen, have a debut in the NFL and show what they could do, which is never a bad thing. I mm-hmm. feel like it's always a really good thing. But in a case where you do have a situation like Green Bay, if Rodgers were to get it and have to miss, say, a playoff game or a Super Bowl – we're fucked, you know? So in a situation like that, I feel like they also have to understand that positioning as well, because there's a lot of teams that would be in that same spot if their Mm -hmm. quarterback was out. So it's interesting going to see how they handle this, but yeah, I don't see them just forgetting all testing. Maybe for the Super Bowl game, I could see, all right, Super Bowl week, everybody's a go. But then you also have people on the other side who are seriously concerned for their health and they don't want to line up against the guy who is, you know, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, I mean, either way you go with it, obviously like safety of all the players and the fan, like everybody involved is obviously the first priority, but then as a, as an owner of a team, as a spectator of the game, you want to see the best guys out on the field. So if they were to wave testing for again, like Super Bowl week, just to give like a fair advantage across the board, um it makes sense to do that but again um yeah it's a tough decision to make it'll be interesting to see i guess the details of what comes out of that meeting today um when it's all said and done but yeah it's going to be uh it's going to be interesting to see if this surge of positive tests continues down the stretch and more and more players are out we might see some more shifts in the rankings um but I guess good to get it out now before playoff time. So then hopefully once the playoffs start, that's not as bad as it is right now. Yeah. And this kind of tangents into my next question too here with the president of the NFLPA being JC Treader, an offensive lineman for the Browns, their team currently having a number of people obviously put on the COVID list. I think that they're up to 15 or 16 guys right now that potentially are going to be out of Saturday's game and on a short week, like I'm saying, playing on Saturday. They're kind of, you know, he's in a real tough spot because he's the guy, you know, that's got to make the ruling on all this stuff with all the votes and whatever. And I don't know. Do you think that they get a win this weekend, even with all this, obviously we'll know better once they rule on what's, What's the case here? You know, do asymptomatic people who test positive, are they allowed to play if they feel fine? Do they have to pass physical? You know, there's going to be all these questions that are yet to answer, but do you think that they can get a win this weekend given their current situation? I mean, I think, I think they're missing, they're going to be missing a lot of offensive guys. Like I know Jarvis Landry kind of leads the list of him, Baker, Chubbs out for injury. 
they have one of their guards, two of their corners, a safety, mm-hmm. a linebacker, like one, almost one of every single one of their positions basically has a guy that's out. Yeah. And the head coach. <clears throat> I mean, ultimately it's going to come down to their defense. Um, I mean, like last week getting that, that near win over, over Baltimore, um, <clears throat> it came down to their defense getting a big stop at the end when they needed it. Um I mean, they still have Garrett. Garrett does isn't out, is he? I don't think he is. I didn't see his name, at least, if I remember I, correctly. I didn't see his name on the list. No. Um. Uh, I mean, it's it's tough when you have any of your guys missing across the board, but I mean, they they had Case Keem step in on that Thursday night game without Mayfield, and he got them the win. So he shows that he he could still do what he needs to do to get it done. Um, it helps they are at home, so that 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 definitely helps their case. The Raiders come to town who have been sliding themselves. So it's they've imploded. Yeah. So it's, I mean, the Raiders are favored by a point and a half, which I think it was early in the week. It was Brown's favorite, but since all these guys have gone out, it's flipped the other way. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's a game they can't afford to lose because they're right there. In the mix in the north, the north is really still up for grabs. Honestly, um, if they can Besides keep pace, Steelers. <clears throat> yeah, pretty much. Because if they if they get the win and then Green Bay beats Baltimore, Browns are first place, I think, with tiebreakers. <clears throat> yeah, because the Browns beat the Bengals, and the and the Ravens, and the Ravens. So yeah, if Browns win, Ravens lose. Browns are the new AFC North leaders. So they realize what's at stake in this game. I don't think that they piss it away. Honestly, I think, I think they find a way to get it done against the Raiders team. Like you said, that's imploded over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I agree with you, especially being at home in a cold day, having a warm kind of team coming. Obviously it's not as tragic as it used to be with them being in Oakland now com- coming from Vegas, which Shout out, they are an NFL announced today that they'll be hosting the 2024 Super Bowl. So cool for them to do that. Um, but yeah, I just feel like too much has gone wrong. They've continued to slide. Browns at home. Yeah. Um, my next question here for you with the Jags, Lions, Texans, Jets, season's over. Um, I don't think all these teams are eliminated, but they essentially might as well be. Um, which team do you see having the biggest bounce back in 2022? Really good question. I'm going to say the Lions. And the reason I'm going to say that is just because all the people who are still there on the team continue to show week in and week out that they they actually love their coach and they continue to show up and fight for him. They haven't like given up, which it looks like in all the other buildings, they've kind of quit on their coach, quit on the upper management. So I'm going to say the lions in this one. Yeah, I agree with you again, the Jags, a team that's close to imploding as well, just with the rumors of urban Meyer, basically throwing everybody under the bus, calling a lot of people out, kind of stirring up controversy there. Texans, Head coach David Culley could be a one and done just with how he's kind of managed that team and how they've looked this year. Um, Jets, uh, Robert Salah has done enough with that defense that he's not going to 
he's not going to really be on the move. It's just been more or less a quarterback carousel for them this year of just their offense in general, staying healthy. Yeah. They've had a couple of the receivers out over the year as well. So yeah, I'd agree that the lions, again, they only have one win on the season, but it was over a good Vikings team who is still not out of it. And at times looked like they could be a potential playoff team this season. So they show that they that they can go toe to toe with a good team and beat them. Um, yeah, get, and how many close games have they had this season? The Ravens, yeah, a lot. Week one, Niners. Like they're a couple pieces away from being in all of these games, or potential mistakes away from being in all these games. And that's why I said the Lions too, because they're just the closest. They do have the quarterback that has proven that he can lead a drive down the at the end of the game against a really good team. He's proven that he can do that. Obviously, he got to a Super Bowl as a Rams quarterback. I just feel like he's lacking confidence, and MCDC is the perfect coach that the Lions have brought in to kind of – I feel like it was a great move, him being a super confidence builder towards Jared Goff's career, getting him his confidence back, letting him know that, hey, you're the man here, you know, type of thing. I feel like that team has a lot of pride, and they're a couple pieces away. Yeah. Healthy. They're they're actually a pretty good team. Yeah, and I'd say the Jets too, if they can figure out the quarterback situation again, a piece or two on both sides of the ball, um, compared to where they are this season, because where they, what is their record again? Three and ten. Three and ten. Yeah. I could see them being a five-six win team next year, so I could see them improving as well. Um, so yeah, if there's a team other than the Lions that I see improving next year, I'd say the Jets right now. See the new head coach. Um, yeah, they just they just got to stay healthy and get a couple more pieces, and they and I feel like they're good to go up there in New York too. Yeah, I think the Lions are going to be about a five-six win team next year as well. Yeah. And on to my last question here. Who do you think is the best coach in the NFL? If your answer is Bill Belichick, then when does he no longer hold that title? I mean, I would put Bel- Belichick in that, like, like last week we were talking about who who we think would win coach of the year. I said Belichick. I know um, when asked about it, he said that, he thinks that Cliff Kingsbury should get it this year. So he was kind of throwing some, like throwing a bone his way as far as coach of the year award, um, which Bill's always been a modest guy. He's never really wanted to brag about himself or his team. He just goes out there and coaches football. Um, I mean, it's hard to not take him off that throne right now. If there's a second guy I'd put in that conversation, maybe a third Brian Flores and Matt LaFleur just with their consistent, like Brian Flores's way to turn around that team and like fix some things in a hurry and show a lot of success over half of the season now. And then Matt LaFleur for his consistency, 13 and three for his third straight year with the, with green Bay um, or uh, 10 and three through 13 games for third, first third straight year. Um, again, chasing that, well, this year they'd be going for 14 and three if they can win out. But 
just, just a legacy that Bill has built. I wouldn't put Flores or Lafleur over him right now, but they'd be like a good second, like second and third candidate to consider. I believe. Yeah, I agree with you, especially since he's doing all of this with a rookie quarterback. Like that's what I feel like cements him up to the top, and with how they turned around the team, missing the playoffs last year, now being back to number one seed in the AFC at this point. I'd put Cliff Kingsbury in that second spot just for that reason as well. Cardinals weren't the greatest team in the world last year. Turn around and they're one of the top teams in the NFL. Um, they've had a lot of hiccups too, especially now with D-Hop. Um, news coming out right before we hopped on the podcast. He's going to seek a second opinion on his leg or his knee, something related to that matter due to the results that they got back from an MRI today. So, who knows how long he could potentially be out if for the rest of the year. So that's losing JJ Watt early. Chandler Jones was out for a handful of games. Like Kyler was out, you know, like he's done a tremendous job as well, keeping their team where they're at. So I'd go one, a one B those two guys. And then the Brian Flores in that second spot. Yeah. I guess the only, the only like, I, I agree to have Cliff Kingsbury in that conversation, but again, it'd be tough to put him in that one spot just because they have struggled against good teams this year, like Green Bay, like the Rams, to where to be that elite coach, to be that elite team, you have to show that you can beat these these kind of teams. Um, and well, New I mean, England lost to the Dolphins. <laughs> they lost four straight home games at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's like everybody's had their shitters. It's like the floor saints Vikings. Mm-hmm. It's just like every, every coach that is really good has had their shitters this year. That should be up there, but just for the turnaround, I feel like that plays a huge part into it. And that's why Flores Kingsbury and whatever, it's like the Packers. We haven't had really any turnaround. We were the same exact mm-hmm. spot that we've been in almost for the last fucking 20 years. It feels like. Yeah. And he hasn't really done anything actually, you know, like if we take the next step, if we get to a Super Bowl, then yeah, maybe you could say that because we hit that hump. But until we do that, where we like push forward, I don't feel like he should be. Granny is a hell of a coach though. Yeah. And my last question here for you uh, for the NFL should Cooper Cup end up being the first receiver since 2005, Steve Smith, to complete the Triple Crown, leading the NFL in yards, receptions, and touchdowns? Should he be considered in the MVP conversation? Yeah, you should have to put him in there just because that's a total dominance. Like, without him, what would that team do? Take away all those touchdowns, take away all those yards. Yeah, I'd say so, and especially with Matt Stafford throwing him the ball, that helps both of their cases with the Mm -hmm. numbers where, I don't know, I feel like he should. Like, he's having an incredible year, like no no doubt about that. Yeah, and they'd actually be – there's only been three receivers since 1966 that have completed the Triple Crown. Steve Smith, Jerry Rice, I can't remember who the third one was. But, I mean, it's only been done. I think it was some odd name back in the 90s or or early 2000s. Um, 
Sterling yeah. Sharp. Sterling Sharp. Okay. So yeah, three big name guys who all were the best at their position at one point in their career. Um, yeah, for him to add himself to that list, I think it's hard not to have him in that conversation. Like you said, uh, again, still Tom. Tom is a front runner. I think Rogers is second. If if I'm if the odds are still kind of what they were last week. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say if Cooper cup completes triple crown, I, I think he has receptions lead by like 10, 15 yards by a couple hundred. The only one that's close right now is he has 11 touchdowns. Mike Evans has 10. So t- it touchdowns seems like it's going to be the closest um, stat that it's going to come down to this year. So long and as Justin again, Jefferson's only like 110 yards behind him. Yeah, so that's what it was. So, yeah, he has almost, I mean, yeah, 10, 15 catches, which is a full game, if not two games. I mean, that's that's a lot of catches for a game if you're going to make he's that more than, He's more than that. The next, Chris Godwin is in second with catches at 92. Cooper Cup's got 113. So that's, okay. almost, that's 21 receptions. Okay, so he's pretty much got that wrapped up because he's not going to all of a sudden stop getting catches unless he gets hurt. And he's also been targeted thirty at least thirty more times than everybody else. Yeah, but it's so crazy it's, what Jamar Chase is doing though. He's only has sixty receptions and he has a thousand yards. Oh yeah, because he he keeps taking the top off of defenses for 40, 50, 60 yards that pop. Yep. He has ninety eight targets this year, which is almost the lowest. That's insane. Yeah. Only Debo Samuel and Tyler Lockett have less. There are 93 targets. <laughs> Which Debo Samuel, he's like a running back receiver combo for San Francisco right now. So he'd have more if it weren't for that. Yeah. Jamar Chase is two <clears throat> touchdowns behind him in 400 yards. Yeah, yeah it's dude, Justin come... Jefferson, though, man. Devontae's catching him, too. Yeah. In yards. It's going to come down to touchdowns, I feel like. It's going to be the – just because, like, you can't guarantee a guy's – you can guarantee a guy's going to get catches. You can guarantee a guy's going to get yards. You can't guarantee a guy's going to get a touchdown. Because down in the red zone, whoever's open, that's who you're hitting. You're not going to be like, oh, I got to get cup the ball. I got to give him another touchdown. No, you hit whoever's open. Well, Which, unless you're the Rams case or the Packers, where in those situations you're looking for Cooper, Cooper Cup, Cup, Justin Jefferson, yeah. Devontae, you know, but those are the guys. For the Rams, you got OBJ, you got Van Jefferson, you got Higby, who's really good in the red zone, and Cup. So you, all these guys, I, I, obviously Cup is probably his go-to guy, but all these guys are a, a 1B, C, D, E, right, right there of like, you give Cup the look for half a second if he's not open. You know, you know, one of those other guys are going to be open. Like you don't keep your eyes on Cup too long, thinking on him to be open because you have other really good guys to get the ball to as well. But yeah, the only two tight ends on this list that show up here in the top twenty: Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews. As far as getting the ball, where Kelsey too? I keep forgetting about him. He's kind of having a. I shouldn't say a quiet year. I don't know what his stats are. But I know last he's, game he's got five touchdowns, eight hundred seventy-five yards. Okay, so he's gonna have a thousand-yard season again. Mm-hmm. 
Well, last year, didn't he? He set a tight end record for most yards by a, touch, a tight end. Wasn't it like 16, 1700 or something? Yeah, it was something insane. But again, George the- Kittle's storming back too. Yeah. He's only played 10 games. He's got six <clears throat> touchdowns. Yeah, he's had over 150 yards and in almost his, his last yards. two games. Yeah. I think he's it was like. Coming. I think it was like 370 yards over his last two games he's had. Stole him out, stole him out of free agency in one of my fantasy leagues. He's been <laughs> – last two games he's got me over 30 points a, a pop, so it's it's been nice. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. switching over to the hardwood here. Great question to start it out. Which NBA Finals game do you think would be better to watch – and have better headlines. Nets Lakers or Warriors Nets? Got to be Warriors Nets. Um, just because by that point, it'll be Clay's return. Steph having a historic year. Um, them trying to rebuild a dynasty there. And then the other side of that, Nets. You said Nets for both, right? Lakers, Nets, Warriors, Nets. Yeah, and then the Nets um, chasing their first NBA title, all the controversy they've gone through. Right now they have a huge COVID hit. Last night they had to play with a league minimum eight guys, and they got the win in Toronto. Or Alpha's in Toronto, but they played Toronto. Um, they got an overtime win. might be coming back. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. So, um. Yeah, I think the Warriors would be. I mean, I think it'd be a fun, a more, a more fun game to watch. I think if the Nets played the Lakers, the Nets would just steamroll the Lakers, um, in my opinion. Just with, but I mean, if the Lakers make it that far, then that means that they're rolling. So I don't know. The current stance of the Warriors, current stance of the Lakers, like, I I'd, I'd like to see the Warriors in the in the finals, but. I don't know. But like I said, as far as headlines and like, holy shit, they turned it around and made it. The Lakers get, excuse me, getting that far would be really interesting too. But yeah, I, I think I personally think it'd be the Lakers just because of the fact that the whole world has always wanted to see the KD LeBron showdown where both of them are the leaders of the team mm-hmm. where we didn't get that. We almost had that, but KD wasn't, you know, he was the sidekick to on the Warriors team. He wasn't the main guy where I feel it's like game seven KD versus LeBron. Like there's no greater headline than that, than that could be for right now in the current NBA stance. Um, like you said, it would be a shootout. If it was the Warriors and Nets, the games would be like 150, probably be the highest scoring NBA finals ever because we'd see probably 150 to 148 games. But like you said, if the Lakers were to turn it around and end up making it there in LeBron's 19th year, getting to see the KD LeBron showdown, especially with James Harden and against Kyrie, like this is like a Space Jam moment all lined up, like perfect. Like if it were to happen, obviously, but they have a long way ahead of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it'd be cool too of, um, like you said, LeBron versus KD, Curry versus KD of the when when uh, 
KD got two fi- both finals MVPs when he won it with Golden State, that kind of puts to bed the idea of do they really need KD to win it? Because if if Curry can handle handle KD in the war in the the Nets and win a, a title over them, that kind of puts that to bed. Of, I mean, I I already consider Curry as a more of a legendary player than KD just with his accolades uh, he like what he's done more titles things like that obviously there's things in favor of KD as well as being always the best shooter like he's seven feet tall but like he's changed the game too but I don't know either way it'd be a a really fun narrative LeBron KD or Curry KD Uh, sticking with Curry making NBA history last night finally got past Ray Allen for uh, most threes all time um, I mean, this has always been a talk, topic of conversation, but do you think he has officially solidified himself as the best shooter of all time after last night? Absolutely. I feel like we've known this for a long time coming. And now that he even said it himself, that he didn't want to claim that title until he actually broke the record. Mm-hmm. Now that he's actually done it still with a whole bunch of time left, I feel like he's just going to increase that lead so far that it'll, it may never be touched again. But, yeah, he's definitely, hands down, the greatest shooter of all time. Three-point. Yeah. Well, even just his handles, like his his two range down. He, he's a small guy down in the paint. He, like, he, he does so much with the ball. the game because he's so small. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, too, listening to um, – I don't know if it was Reggie or if it was one of the one of the guys from TNT, like no, it's Kenny the Jet Smith talking about it. Where a lot of the great shooters of the of like the NBA were good off the pick, off the dribble, or um catch and shoot. They're only good at one of those three things. Curry is phenomenal at all three. So um, and two, getting the nod from like you usually in a sport you re- you rarely hear somebody look at somebody and say yeah they're they're a better shooter than me both Ray Allen and Reggie um Reggie both said that Curry is the best shooter of all time so to get the nod even from those two guys to get their acceptance that yeah this guy's a better shooter than I am where you'd almost put those two as the only two other guys in the conversation if they themselves are putting him above them then yeah like and like you said, he's got a long ways to go. Um, in a couple of weeks here, he could break 3,000. I could see him breaking 4,000 threes by the end of his career. So where, like you said, he's going to put that standard so high that unless we see somebody in college of, holy shit, this is another Steph Curry coming through the, the ranks. Well, the, the way that he already changed the NBA, we already do see a handful of those guys who are three-point specialists who come in knocking down the logo shots consistently. Trey Young, prime example. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who's blossomed off that same tree. We're just going to see that he changed the game. Don't, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy for how he literally has impacted the game so much. Yeah, for sure. Then going to my, my uh, last question here for the NBA, going back to this Lakers team room started circulating about potentially Russ being on the move. Do you see, where does he end up? If you do see him out, Early rumors is Ben. They offered a Ben Simmons straight up for Russ so far, and the Sixers laughed at him. 
they're just going to get stuck with that guy because they are asking way too much for him. Well, and his contract carries $45 million next year. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe Portland, because I know Portland is now, after shutting down the idea of getting rid of McCollum and Lillard, they're kind of on the verge of a full rebuild, getting rid of Lillard and McCollum. Like, thanks, thank you for everything you've done for Portland, but we need to, like, change something here um, to where, I mean, I wouldn't say Russell Westbrook is worth – Lillard for sure, maybe McCollum, <laughs> like in a straight up trade, but but also would Russ want to go to a small market like that, a small team of Portland? Well, he just was in Washington. They're kind of a smaller market team. Yeah, that's true. But the, like my ma- main thing with this whole thing is just like, okay, LeBron first, you signed off on bringing him. You, AD, both signed off on bringing him in, saying that you could make it work. Now that it's kind of not working or it potentially starting to work, him still leading the NBA in turnovers, it's just like – I feel like it would add to the legacy for LeBron, too, of being the guy that got him his title, like the only guy to – you know, mm-hmm. he's been with so many different people This came up short. He's almost – they've never played with a guy. LeBron's never played with a guy. He's always been the guy who's got the ball. He's always been the guy who's got the ball. They've never played with a guy who wants the ball like that. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I feel like no other team's going to take him just due to his co- contract. I feel like they're stuck. Yeah, and I, if they decide to get rid of him and bring somebody else in, I could see him retiring. <laughs> just because no, nobody – like. For him, he has nothing else to prove. He's a triple-double king. Yes, he never got got a title. Yeah, or be one of those free agency guys that stays a vet for so long and just gets picked up for a playoff run. Yeah, that too. Um, Yep, you're going to be coming off the bench. We're going to need triple-double. You know, we're going to need fucking good production out of you. Come on in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if the Lakers want to turn things around, they get, they're going to have to do something. And, uh, again, like you said, with him leading the league in turnovers, like, he, they either got to – He's been getting better at turnovers. His numbers have been going down, but still, you can't turn over the ball. Yeah. Uh, my last question here for you for the NBA, kind of with the um, COVID hitting NFL a lot, uh, also making us run through the NBA – including our Bucks with Giannis out until at least Christmas. How many games do you see the Bucks losing potentially? Um, he's expected to be out till at least Christmas so that it puts him on pace to miss their next six games. Uh, currently at 18 and 11. Um, how far do you think the Bucks skid, if at all? Or do you think got the other guys step up enough? And kind of looking at their stretch, they have a I somewhat they easy lose, stretch. Yeah. See, they could lose two, maybe three games. Pacers, Celtics, and Mavs, depending on the the status of Luca, because I know he's out um, tonight due to being injured. So if he's back, Bucks lose. He's out. Crab shoot. They're gonna lose to the Pacers and they're gonna lose to the Celtics. But they're definitely Pelicans, Cavs, and Rockets, all bottom feeding teams of the league. 
yeah i mean yeah they're lucky with the stretch that they have right now with and again, even if it extended hey they get the magic twice they got the pelotons again they got the pistons who are at the bottom like they'd be fine even if he's out till january 3rd yeah but at the same time given this is an easy, easy stretch of basketball you almost wish you like it'd be better to have him because they could go on a seven, eight game win streak and boost themselves to the top of the East. We're now without him. You have to fight, fight and claw for these games that you'd be favored by maybe double digits in some of them where now you're going to have to grind it out to the end without your top guy. So yeah, but they ain't going to catch the nets. They're not that what far Katie, back. What Katie's doing right now is unbelievable. They're only two and a half games back. They haven't played, or they've only played, they've only played each other once this year because it was a season opener. And being in the, you play this, you play your uh, everybody in your conference at least three times. So they have at least two more matchups yet down the stretch. Yeah, I'm just saying, just for how hot the Nets are right now, and KD especially. Yeah. Without James Harden, it's incredible what he's doing. Where I I think he's put his name to the top of the MVP conversation. But yeah, then let's get over on to the ice. My Flyers currently have won three games in a row. Do you think that they find themselves in in the midst of the playoffs come around all-star time? Pull up the standings just to get an idea. I believe they are currently fifth place in the wild card race with 26 points. Penguins current Penguins and Red Wings currently sit in the wild card spot with 35 and 31. In order to catch in their division, they'd at least need to get 39. So they're about 13 points back from their division race. Otherwise, they're in the wild card race. And you you're, you asked if they would be in the wild card? Are they going to be in the top eight come all-star break? I, I don't think so. I mean, they... Pittsburgh's on a five-game streak right now. They're playing really good hockey. Carolina and the Rangers, um, a slight hiccup. They're, they're going to turn things around. Um, I th- I, it's going to make things tighter for sure, just with how good the Flyers are doing. I think that the they're starting to close that gap. I mean, they are down, what, almost 20 points a week ago, and now they're only down 13. 13. Mm-hmm. So they're definitely making up some ground which, again, has helped with the teams ahead of them, aside from Pittsburgh, kind of slowing down a little bit. But it's going to be tough for them to to make a push into the top. I mean, past Columbus, past Pittsburgh, would they'd have to go past both of those teams to get into the top four of the Metro. Um, I don't know. I I think it's going to be really close. I think it's going to be within probably less than five points come all-star time between like the, those couple teams. But I don't know. I think, I think it's going to take a little bit more of a stretch from Philly to say, 
I mean, maybe after like if if they can move their three win streak to five or six, then it's like okay, they're rolling. And if they, uh, the other teams ahead of them, like the Rangers, continue their a losing streak, uh, Carolina as well, then a really good week of hockey and the teams ahead of you having one of one bad week, you can jump up really quick. So, well, and their next games are really important too: Ottawa, Washington, Pittsburgh, Seattle, Sharks. Kings, Ducks, Pittsburgh again, Sharks, Carolina, Boston, Rangers, Islanders, Red Wings, all teams that currently are right in front of you. Yeah. So, all like you said, they've already improved eight points over the last week. I think that they can at least go 500 on this next little stretch. I do see them in the top eight. Um, I see Boston being in the top three in the Atlantic or in the Atlantic. I see either Tampa or the Florida Panthers hitting a streak at some point to drop them out. Um, But it's fun hockey to watch right now. And they have Montreal in their next matchup. So that's another one. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about another team kind of making their way up here. Um, The Senators have won five of their last six games, including wins over the Hurricanes, Avalanche, Lightning, and last night an 8-2 to two win over the Florida Panthers. Is this stretch of theirs a fluke, or could we see them continue to make up ground in the Atlantic? I mean, I can the only – they're going to – as far as I can see them surging is one more spot. They're going to pass shitty Buffalo. Um, that's the only team they're going to pass. That's as far as they're going to make a run in the Atlantic maybe even over the Red Wings being that fourth spot, but they're a long shot for the playoffs. I feel like this run, though, they are a young team. They do show moments of greatness, like we've seen this five-game winning streak. They show that they can beat high-quality teams. Just to do it consistently, they haven't proven that to me yet to where they can do it over a month, two months period of time, which is what you need to do in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. And one part of it is, again, talking about some of these bottom teams like Montreal, uh, Buffalo, where they've hit, they've had such a bad streak to start that no matter how good of a streak you go on, you're too far behind already. Um, and I think Ottawa is one of those teams too. Like It's cool to see a team turn things around um, and play as good hockey as, as they have been playing as of late, but eventually they're going to cool down and – I mean, in the Atlantic, there's too many good teams ahead of them to where, like you said, they're not they're not gonna they're not gonna hit a one two month stretch of good hockey and bank on all these teams ahead of them hitting a bad stretch for them to catch up. It's just they're way too. I mean, for a wild card spot, like you said, for Detroit, they are 12 points back right now from Tampa in that third spot, 21 points back. So like, they're just they're way That's too far back. Wins. Yeah. Them winning a game. <laughs> yeah. Which it's I mean, possible, but they I do mean, have they do have the least amount of games. Well, Boston has 25 played. Ottawa has 26. The rest of these teams are 28, 30. But that's what I mean, dude. They have 26 games played. They have 19 points. Boston has one less game and they have 30. Yeah. They have 11 more points with one less game played. Like that just goes to show you how shitty of a team that they actually are. Yeah, that's true. My next question, do you think Alex Ovechkin finishes in the top three in the points this season? Currently sits at the second spot, 
McDavid and Dreisaitl are tied at number one spot with 45. Ovechkin currently has 44. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's been fun watching the last couple of game, games. Um, he's slowed down a little bit for his goals. Um, but the nice thing for him is he's racking up points for assists because he draws a, a crowd um, once he, once he get to, gets to his spot. It seems like he, while he is obviously chasing Gretzky's all-time uh, goal record, um, it seems like he's not afraid to, to – pass the puck down to somebody else who has a better look than he does. Um, and like I said, he draws a crowd. He gets a lot of attention to where some of those guys do get an open spot. And he has one of the, the nastiest slap shots in the game to where he has that speed to get it to a guy where in a split second, if the goalie keeps his eyes on Ovechkin too long, he's leaving a lane open for another guy to score a goal. So um, I feel like he gets hot again with his goal scoring. And again, he just wrap, racks up assists after assists with getting other guys looks as well. So yeah, I see him finishing in, in the, in the top couple guys for points this year. He's won it one time. And that was his <clears throat> second, third year in the NHL with 112, which is insane. Um, do you think he can surpass 112? I don't think so. Just because of his, like his longevity seems like it's been tested the last couple of years, whether he slows down, he gets tired, he gets injured, whatever he's done is going in reverse this year. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it catches up with him eventually. And I mean, I could see him like possibly breaking a hundred, but to break his uh, 112 point outing, um, I don't know. Obviously, once we get past the halfway point of the season to see where he's at, to see if he's even on pace for it. I mean, right now, he's really close to being on pace for it. Yeah, 28 games, and he currently has 44 points. Back in the half a shortened season of the NHL in the 2021, he had 42 in half of a season. So in half that time, he's already surpassed those that amount of points. Yeah. So if, if would you say he's at 45 points? Well, if you think he's going to be in the top top three, he's definitely going to be over 100. Yeah, but the but it yeah, like I, I see him being over 100, but again, dry side 112 McDavid, is his highest, yeah. But I see dry side McDavid like, like being way up there, and then Ovechkin is like he's still up there, but I feel like he's going to be eventually those two are going to separate themselves by maybe 20, 30, 40 points come the end of the season. See, I actually think Ovechkin's going to finish top top two. I think only one of those guys is going to surge just because they're struggling right now. One guy's going to take the lead role. Ovechkin's man down the ship in Washington. I think he gets it done. Yeah, it'd be awesome to see again, like you said, kind of him having the Tom Brady effect on his career this year um playing at you know, the ultimate high levels he has at, at that age i just i mean obviously we get to see if he can keep that throughout the whole season but over the last two or three years again with him slowing down getting injured um obviously i'd like to see him break that trend but 
like with history the past couple of years, it's going to show he's going to slow down eventually, but we'll see. Um, my next question here for you, the debate for best division in hockey is more than more often than not in favor of the Metro. If the Metro is the best division in hockey, which one is the worst? Talked about it already earlier. Um, it's got to be the Atlantic. I think they're definitely the worst division in hockey by far. Um, Sabre Senators, Canadians, three teams who have been struggling. Red Wings, look like they potentially could be turning it around, but we'll see on them yet. I still haven't completely bought into them, but those four teams have been a shit stain of hockey for the last couple of years, just being in the bottom. Kind of feel bad for them, so that's definitely the worst division. Yeah, I mean, just even looking at the points again with how they had, they're the only division with two teams uh, under 20 points. So that, again, that against them right there. Um, like you said, Buffalo, Ottawa, Montreal, all being kind of the bottom of the league. I mean, if there's a second division to kind of throw out there as far as the separation, maybe. The, I mean, on paper, the central would be the next, the next with Arizona, Chicago. But again, that's only two teams that are kind of and weighing that division down. Bad, and those are just two teams who have a lot of shit going on outside of the game of hockey. So I feel like you can't really count the central because usually those two teams are actually pretty decent. Yeah. Yeah, and then the rest, the re- I mean, the Pacific is super tight right now. I think it's the tightest division as far as Seattle at the bottom. Points, with, yeah, 14 four, points from the 14 top points, to the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that is the definitely t- the closest. Yeah. So, I mean, Pacific is, I mean, Metro, I still think from top to bottom is the best division, but Pacific, it's two different styles of It's two different styles of hockey. Pacific style of hockey is the old running gun. What you see around playoff time is big physical, not a lot of high powered scoring central. You kind of see that, but you, that's where you see the star power with the skilled guys, like the Colorado's the wild, the guys who have those guys. Then you move over to the Eastern Metro physical, highly skilled guys. And then you go to the Atlantic division where you have a couple teams who are really good and a couple teams that really suck. And that's kind of how all the divisions go across the board. Yeah. Then my last question here for you, we have not seen a defenseman score at least 30 goals since the 0809 season when Mike green scored 31 for the Washington capitals, Kale McCarr superstar defenseman and currently a youngster only being a second Tactical year in the NHL. Um, he's currently tied with the lead with a lead on his team with 13. Do you think that we can see him pass the 30 goal mark this season? If he does, do you think that he could potentially beat the all-time record Paul Coffey has with 48? Passing 30, yes. 48. I mean, just statistically, be getting like only 10 games out from the halfway point of the season. Um, he's on pace to at least break 30, uh, unless he turn things, turns things around, which I feel like some team, I mean, I guess it depends on how, 
how they are down the stretch if they tight if they tighten things up or if they hit a surge. Just because usually I feel like come close to playoff time, like last night with the eight to two game of Senators over Panthers, I feel like you see a lot less lopsided games like that unless it's a team playing Montreal. Well, he, he, or... he plays. He's on Colorado. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, I feel like he'll so he'll keep the pa- he'll keep the pace for like a, a little while, but eventually games get tighter, less goals are scored. So going for that 48 record is going to be harder. To where if he was at closer to 20 goals at this point of the season, he might have a chance. But I mean, with any sport, usually defense tightens up come the end of the season. Teams start to figure each other out a little bit more. But, yeah, I mean, he's definitely on pace to at least break 30. Yeah, I'd say he breaks 30. i say he gives the 40. I think he could break 40 even, maybe even catching this number of 48 just due to the team that he's on with the high-powered guys that he has with McKinnon, Landon, Scott, Grant, and their power play is unbelievable. That's where he gets a lot of his goals because he is the guy in the middle taking the shots, kind of being the QB of the power play. So, I say he's got a shot. Yeah, I mean, anytime anybody's chasing history, at like especially him being in his second year to put himself in that, um, in that ballpark of hey, you're chasing history, you're going to be this close to it. Like that just sets up kind of your career for the rest of the way. Of oh, now you beat this. All right, what's the next record to be? What's the next goal to achieve? Uh, my last question here for you. The most road wins in a season for a team was set by the 05-06 Red Wings with 31. The Hurricanes currently have 12 road wins in 27 games, and the Flames have 11 and 28. Could we see either of these teams break that record? If anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Carolina, I feel like. Their coach, the way that they play, they're a tough team, especially being in the Metro. they got to play tough. I think that they they could potentially set the bar this season. Yeah, I mean, through 27 games that – so then they've had 15 home games, 12 – yeah, 12 road games out of 27. So then they have thir- or 20 – what is that, 29 more road games, right? Yeah, 41 and 41. Yeah. So 29 more road games, they'd have to win 20. They'd have to go 20 and nine in their last 29 road games. That's a, that's a tall order. <laughs> I feel like, um, but yeah, it, between these two, if, if a team is going to do that, I feel like it's going to be Carolina as well, just with um, the flames in the Pacific with, I get talking Monday about how Anaheim kind of came out of nowhere. They're playing really good hockey and then in your division, having to go to Vegas, to Edmonton to win games. Vancouver also playing, um, like having a surge as well. Um, those are tough places to go go in and get wins versus Colorado right now, Chicago, Arizona. Those are probably two of the easier places right now to go in and get wins. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree with you. Then my other question for you originally was going to be one, but I changed it for you here, which is unexpected. 
currently four of seven of the Canadian NHL teams have had their jerseys thrown on the ice this season. Maple Leafs, Edmonton last night, Vancouver, and Montreal. Which Canadian team is next? Oh, boy. So it's just like a... Which team do you think sucks so much that their fans literally throw their jersey on the ice next? It's already happened to four. Which four again? It's happened to Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto, and Edmonton. So Calgary. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Ottawa. I'm gonna say it's gonna happen to Ottawa next. Again, they're 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 having a good streak. Went one five of their last six. I can see them quickly hitting a shit streak and fans getting upset that they got their hopes up. Um, and they have a tough stretch of hockey coming up too. They play your Flyers, um, Boston, Carolina, Capitals. These are all – I see it happening – what is that? Next Thursday when they host Carolina and get absolutely shit on. It's going to get thrown on the ice next Thursday. Yeah, I was going to say then or even against hosting the Bruins. I think the Bruins are going to wreck them that following Wednesday as well. Or when the Pens come to town the next day or the Wild the following weekend. Well, they host – they host the Bruins this Sunday, so it could happen because they host they host the Bruins this Sunday, and then like you said, the following Wednesday. Yeah, I think they might get the first one on the Bruins, just because they just had a couple of top guys go out with COVID. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's going to be it's not going to last long enough. Senators, you, say Ottawa, you say Ottawa? Yeah, I'm going to say it's going to be. Fucking Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> Feel like their losing streak continues. Their fans just get sick of it. That's it. Actually, just kidding. I'm gonna say the Flames. Actually, currently on a four-game bender. I feel like their their skid continues to slide, especially with this COVID break that they're having too. I feel like they come back absolutely get trounced whenever their next game is against the Ducks too. I feel like that's when it happens. Thursday, December 21st. Yeah, I mean, all these teams are kind of either again, Ottawa is really is like the, the only team right now that's like playing like super good. I mean, Calgary as well playing. Well, Vancouver's well. won five straight. Yeah, that's true. So I guess it depends which team quickly turns around and has a shit streak or which team Continues to shit, shit, shit streak long enough that the fans decide to throw another jersey on the ice. And super realistically, December 27th is a really good chance in the Battle of Alberta. If Edmonton turns their shit around by then and just piss pounds them at home, you're going to see the ice littered with Flames jerseys. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, my last question here for you. Uh, as we know, records in sports are meant to be broken at some point. Which of these NFL records do you see being broken first? Tom Brady's five touchdowns in one quarter, Brett Favre's 336 career interceptions, or Jerry Rice's 22,895 career receiving yards? 
Well, Jerry's interception, Jerry's record's probably never going to get broken. Um, man, five through a lot of picks. He did. And the only one that's close is Roethlisberger. And he's about to be done. Brady doesn't throw picks like that. Magic, if it's magic, he's done. Matt Ryan, he's. I'm gonna say number. One, I'm gonna say Brady's record is gonna be the f- easiest one to go. I feel like some some bucking guy to watch. It's gonna be Trevor Lawrence. It's gonna throw six TDs in one game. A quarter. And yeah, in a quarter. It's gonna be the Jags in like 20 years. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, looking at these three records, yeah, I think that Brady's once the league switches to flag football. Yeah, it keeps getting softer and softer. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, five touchdowns in a quarter sounds absolutely ridiculous, but looking at these other two, it seems like the most the most likely to be able to do. Oh yeah, because those records are so crazy. Yeah. Like, actually, like, Eli Manning had a good chance if he would have continued to keep going. Yeah, Phillip Rivers. Was Phillip the next closest, right, before he retired? I think he was. Drew Brees was. Oh, Drew Brees. Yeah, he's number 12. He's got 243. Favre's got 336. The next closest to Favre is 277. So he had to throw a fucking... 59 more picks to tie. <laughs> That's so many picks, dude. Jameis Winston, eh? If he gets a starting job back, couple throw throw some 30 pick seasons. Mm. But yeah, yeah. Um now let's slide into our newest segment that we're about to do for you guys. All these college bowl games coming up here. We're doing a little something fun. Um what we're going to do here is each one of the games we're going to pull up. We're going to also flip a coin, a generated coin on the computer screen. Heads is going to be the away team. Tails is going to be the home team. Whichever one it lands on, that's which one the coin picks. And we're obviously, we're going to keep a tally of how the coin does through these bowl games. Yeah, I believe there's, yeah, I believe there's 44 bowl games total. So we'll have a, a decent size like sample here to kind of see again by the mercy of of a coin um picking each game so i'll pull it up here um for those who are listening you don't get to see just get to hear us say whatever uh whatever is hap or whatever the result is so first this friday two games we have the bahama bowl montana state university toledo so Heads is Montana State. Tails is Toledo. Let's see who's going to win the Bahama Bowl. Toledo, who is already 10-point favorites. So we will see if they can um, do as their favorite and win that one. Um, next, in the uh, tail, tail greeter Cure Bowl. Gosh, they come up with random-ass names every year, I swear. We got Coastal Carolina and the Northern Illinois Huskies. And are you? All right. Who's winning the Cure Bowl? 
Northern Illinois with the upsets. Ten, ten and a half point underdogs in that one. Um, so, yeah, we'll see um, on Friday. Uh, Bahama Bowl, Kier Bowl. Uh, let's see how the coin does. Let me just write this down here quick. Make sure this was Toledo and then Northern Illinois with the upset. Yeah, and then once bowl season's done, I mean, really after the first week of January, they go tell. Um, we, we will see how the coin did. Um, and we plan to kind of use the same thing in the future, maybe for some other fun content. So, yeah, that's all I got. Well, sounds good, everyone. Hope you enjoyed our newest little edition here. Have a great Wednesday, and we will see you guys all on Friday.